You're back where you belong, in the Veritex Community Bank Studios with the killer bees who won't sting you unless provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. All right, what, uh, the sack record is another one you have to watch. Not the NFL sack record, but the David Carr franchise record. He's blank on Branham. Uh, 76 times that David Carr was sacked in 2002. Stroud's been sacked 11 times through two games, leads the NFL. He's on pace for over 90. Now, you do have the extra game. When do you start watching the sack record? You hope that week five calms everything down again. We go right back to the same date, uh, the second coming of opening day, when you hope that that line is able to kind of calm that stat down from being something that you watch. If it's not, I think you start watching it probably in week 14, 15. I'm going like, not not that you're going over. You're watching it that it, it could be surpassed. Oh, you're saying it could be surpassed at that point? No, no, no. I'm saying by week 14 or 15, you're looking at it going, oh, holy hell. See, I'm like at week six or seven. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like week three. I'm like at, the only the only reason week I'm not going three? week I'm three. I'm on watch. The only reason I'm not at week three is because you don't have the full offensive line. Like, I want to see three weeks with the full offensive line. But yeah. if he's getting sacked four and a half times with Laramie back. I mean, Laramie was in game one. Like, he was sacked five times with Laramie. But if Juice is back, Laramie back, Titus back, I want to see, like, a three-game sample with that offensive line. But if he's still getting sacked at a four-sack-a-game pace, I'm looking at that record in week six. It scares me if we're thinking that Juice has got to be a guy that's a savior, though. Jared Patterson is so bad. That's true. He's brutal. But I think that your, your tackles have to be – they have to – kind of slow everything down they have to calm it down on the offensive line that might be a tall task because if this team isn't winning games laramie's going to probably pull his own plug he's going to shut it down again yeah he's that back. scares me he's back he's practicing all of that uh it For doesn't now, it doesn't look like you're going to get perryman to play this week which is not great thomas isn't playing stingley's not going to play and petrie's not going to play the, the injuries are I know we say they're part of it. Petrie's definitely not playing. But they are. He hasn't stepped on the football field. They are racking up quick. Like, I I feel like they've had like a season's worth of injuries through two weeks. They're going to be without. At least eight starters. Four starters. starters. Eight? Well. Well, you're talking about the IL. I'm talking. Yeah, I was talking about defensively. I was talking about defense. Because Perriman, I don't think he's going to play. He hadn't practiced the last two days. That looked like he's going to. If you don't practice Wednesday or Thursday, like Wednesday's you're key, yeah. not Wednesday's a key day. Yeah. Yep. If you don't practice either one of those days, I don't think he's going to play. Petrie hasn't stepped on a football field since the bruised lung. Derek Stingley, mm-hmm. how long will he be out? And Tavier Thomas, they talked about, is not going to play. That's four starters. That's four starters on the defensive side of the ball. Two of them in your secondary. Three of them in your secondary. Yeah, that's not good when you're taking you're taking on a team that has Trevor Lawrence and and has a complement of receivers that look like they're fully capable of embarrassing you. Uh, that's that's not a good situation to be in, and you're on the road. Yeah, where are you at on that, Joe? What where you said you're watching it week seven or eight or three? Week three. That's right. Yeah. I'm on watch. Like, I, what if he's at there? If he's at twenty times, plus sacks, eleven times in two weeks, he's five times with Larry. Here's the Tunson. problem too. Like, that's tough. Like you might be able to survive. The, the how bad the numbers get early on, but they might be so that might be such a large number yes. that the line comes back for a couple of weeks. That number, you know, it's not that many per game, and then all of a sudden Tunsil loses interest and and guys get hurt again or something like that. Now you're going oh bleep, it might be before we even get close to the end of the season. Yeah, you might make it in like just I mean, at it, a number where it's gonna yeah. Be hard. Then you if might be in week fourteen or fifteen looking at that number. If he's at twenty two. Through four weeks, yep. and let's just say it doubles. That's, that's his pace right now. Then you're talking about 3.8 sacks per game the rest of the year. 
to not get, or I guess it'd be a little, it'd be like four sacks a game the rest of the year to pass the number. Plus, there's the extra game. Plus, there's the versus, extra game. versus Carr. So it's like. I posted every sack at Jeremy Branham. Some of them are his fault, like, quite frankly. Like, I think that the offensive line's not good, but the offensive line, I think, is a little bit better than the stigma that they get around the city. Uh, now, run blocking's a completely different story. Run blocking. They're lost. Like they're flat out whiffing. They're missing. They're letting. They're like not even finishing their blocks. It's it's not good. Like, I feel really bad for Damian Pierce, especially like Damian Pierce has been catching some heat for this too. Oh, Damian Damian Pierce is mid. Damian Pierce isn't what we thought he was. Like I feel bad for Damian Pierce because he's getting nothing to work with, and nope. Damian Pierce is taking criticism. I think it's completely. But isn't unfair. that the same thing with Stroud? Like you, can't, it's hard to criticize him. Too much because of the fact that he, he's coming behind the same offensive line. But different things. Pass protection and run blocking are different. And they this, are. this is an offensive line that I think pass protects better than they run block. Now, where this offensive line will get in trouble is like they have blown assignments where it's like immediate pressure. So that's why we think that they're really, really awful all the time. Most of the time, they're actually decent, like probably a little bit below average, but like sustainable, like they can keep Stroud upright. But they just have like a blow up play every now and then where it's like, oh my goodness, this offensive line's absolutely dreadful. Now, look, this is also the NFL. Like the NFL defensive coordinators are going to scheme stuff up where they're going to get free rushers on a quarterback whenever they want it. And CJ Stroud's going to have to be able to be a quarterback that can bleat, uh, beat teams when they're blitzing. And honestly, I've seen it. Like we had a lot of concern about how CJ Stroud would look like whenever he comes to the NFL handling blitzes. I think he's done a really good job out of uh, at it. So I'm I'm very encouraged by that. I'm really encouraged watching C.J. Stroud on these all-22s, by the way. Like, every single throw that you can have on a football field, he can make. Like, he leads receivers into open spaces. He makes them, like, tight window throws. He makes some layered passes. There's some times where he gets a little happy-footed where he's, like, trying to make something happen by scrambling, where it's like, just stay in the pocket a little bit longer. A guy's going to pop free. I think that's going to come with time. But watching watching his film makes me very encouraged with C.J. Stroud. I meant it. Er- I, said, I said it earlier, and I mean it. The more and more I watch of C.J. Stroud, and quite frankly, I listen to C.J. Stroud too because I love his demeanor. I, I love his composure. I love like at a podium. Like I'm not a huge like podium guy. Like whatever. But you can tell he thinks football. He live. He lives football. He bleeds football. And then you watch him on film, and it's like, man, this guy can make every single like throw on the football, football. field. Like he I did, gets yeah. It. yeah, he that's does. big. And, and, and like, there's not selfishness there either. He's like, I'm doing this for Tank Dell's family. I'm doing this to get the most out of Nico Collins. Like, I love his demeanor. I love his mindset. And quite frankly, man, he can make every single That's throw on the football field. On. There's some little things that he like he needs to work on. Like you can't be like rolling out of the pocket when it's a clean pocket and get run into a sack or throw uh, get a little throw happy footed. Yeah, or There's throw it up for grabs throws. when you could just eat a, eat it and yeah. live to see another day. But those are minor things, and I sure think they're they all fixable things. But in terms of talent, like CJ Stroud is dangerously good. The touch means something too because it is so tough to teach. And, and you you know we say oh some guys got better at it. Yeah, Tom Brady worked at it all the time. He got better at it, but he was Tom Brady. He was also really, really, really good regardless. And and, and Jalen Hurts got better at it. And and Jalen Hurts wasn't as bad as, like, Richardson was coming out, but Jalen Hurts works at his craft the same way. But when you look at the the touch throws that he makes and when he has to make the tough throws in traffic where he puts it, it's really easy to see why everybody talked about that being such an important key and one of his best attributes because at this point in, in the, the fetal stages of his NFL career, for him to, doing, do, to do what he's doing 
and putting footballs where they need to be placed, that's so important. Yeah. A little hesitation still in his game. Like, it's like, okay, the read's there. Make the throw. 90% of the time he's doing it. There's still like 10% of the times where he's like a little bit unsure. I think it's because he's erring on mm-hmm. the side of being careful with the ball. Like, I kind of just want to let him see it fly. Like, let it fly. I love the quick stuff that they do. Like, DJ, remember we had DJ on and he was yeah. talking about a play action, deep route concepts. I'm like, I didn't like that play. I like the quick stuff. I like the three-step drop, get it out. Three-step drop, get it out. He looks really good in that, especially whenever he has tank on the field. Yeah, that, that, but I also, and I also like the fact the way when he steps up in the pocket, that he steps and slides. He steps up and slides one side or the other that buys him that extra half second. And then he's not, he, to your point, you're right, because I've seen the, 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 the hesitation from time to time. But when he's in that kind of, that, situation where he has to step up and slide either way to buy himself that extra half second. He's still not afraid to rip it between two defenders and put it in a spot where guys like Woods and Nico Collins have been big and actually bringing it down, but you can't fault a guy for putting it where it needs to be put and then put it on the receiver to catch it. I heard D'Amico talk about it yesterday. I don't know if we talked about it on the air, that first touchdown to Nico, where honestly he misread Nico early in the route. Like Nico was running a little seam and he was wide open and Stroud missed him. Uh, but he came back to him later and threw the nice little touch ball. They said it was to tank. I thought I was, I was thinking the same thing. They said it was Because I tank. thought when it left his hands, I thought, oh, man, he's throwing that out of the end zone. Or And then I saw two guys in the same vicinity, and I, I, didn't, I didn't realize it was tank behind him. But I thought, thank God Collins can go climb the ladder and go get that. But, yeah, I was wondering if that was thrown to, it, thrown to him. I thought he was actually trying to throw it away. D'Amico said it was to tank. It was a good play by Nico. It was still a good ball, I thought, by by Stroud because you only want to put it in a spot like that where your your receiver can catch it. Now, he did miss Nico on that play initially. Nico was running wide open uh, up the seam. I already mentioned the run blocking stuff. Run blocking worse than pass protect for me, and it's not even close. Uh, th- I've been saying this all week, and this kind of confirmed it. Uh, Shane Steichen – well, outclass D'Amico Ryans, quite frankly. He was using D'Amico's aggression against him, like the Anthony Richardson, that second touchdown. He showed a little jet sweep, faked it. AR-15's wide open to run into the end zone all alone. I was really critical watching Will Anderson back because Will Anderson's numbers weren't nearly as good uh, this week against the, the Ravens. Most of like his non-factorness was frankly Shane Steichen's scheme. Like they were so quick getting rid of the football, they, they running the football, whatever. Uh, but they were so quick getting rid of the football that they didn't allow for much pressure at all. I didn't think that Will Anderson was like nearly as good as against Baltimore, but his like disappearing act or whatever, it, it was all scheme. Like I'm not worried about Will Anderson at all. Uh, his motor's really good. Like he's chasing down. He was chasing down running backs running the football in the fourth quarter late when he had no business. Like, I could totally see him like, okay, I'm not in this play. It's a blowout late. I don't need to be running down the running back from the backside. He did it multiple times, the, which was really cool to see. The nonstop – the one thing I noticed about w- when watching him is that nonstop motor is the fact that when you look at the Watt brothers and part of the reason why they were so dominant and effective and also so beloved by the rest of their, 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 their teammates are – just that very factor. They don't take plays off. They don't quit. They go at it. I see the same thing out of Will Anderson. I see a guy that, you know, whether it's taking two blockers on or when they're moving them around, you know, being able to go for the sack or getting to the backfield and then realize it that if a play starts to develop after it gets to the second line of defense, he'll come back from behind and still get into the play. I think it's fantastic that a guy that young in his career, and you know who has it too? Hutchinson. Aiden Hutchinson, when you watch him, has that same kind of drive with his motor. That is a special a characteristic that not everybody has. Two four eight four. What is the ratio looking like on sacks that are Stroud's fault and the O line's fault? I would say like seventy five twenty five. Seventy five percent offensive line. 
There's been some that weren't the offensive line's he fault. Just hangs and there, no, not even Stroud's fault. Like there was one in particular. I think it was Dare who was playing running back at the time. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Dare. Maybe it was Boom, but I think it was Dare. Where it's like, okay, he's obviously in pass protection. He's going to stay home, block for Stroud. You have a blitzer come in and Dare run away from him. And it's like, okay, well, the offensive line has a hat on a hat. They're doing their job. Stroud has a free rusher coming at him. He can't do anything. Like, literally, Dari was on the left side, was split up to the left side of uh, Stroud. Blitzer comes in off the left side, like over the left guard, so the A-gap. And Dari runs away from it to block the right side of the line. And the dude comes home, free hitter, knocks CJ Stroud to the ground, sack. Like, that's not on the offensive line. That's not on the quarterback. That's on the, the running, running back. back. And yeah. sometimes, too, that's quarterback communication. Like, I don't know that. I don't know if it's Jared Patterson, the center, calling out the, you know, assignments there. I don't know if it's CJ Stroud. I think it was probably just a missed assignment by Dare. But I would put it at about 75-25 O-line Stroud a couple times when it's like, you know, a, a, Darn you a, a, mix up, a mix up on pass protection by the running back. Yeah. It's fun to say it. I guess so. Seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven. Is he really? Yep. I had no idea. I didn't know he was a badger. There you go. Uh, we talked about this a moment ago. The uh, the passing yard stuff like that. You know, are they empty? Do they mean anything? What what numbers matter to you when you're watching C.J. Stroud? When you're looking at his numbers on the year in two weeks, whatever. It's like two weeks. But what numbers will matter to you? Like week eight, week nine. What will you be looking at in terms of C.J. Stroud? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Are you looking for plans this weekend? If you are, which you should be, you need to go by Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage. They have the best Tex-Mex in Houston. Tex-Mex is my favorite food. It should be your favorite food, too. You live in Houston. It probably is your favorite food. And the Valencia's continuing the Anaya legacy. have been serving Houston since 1966. Valencia's has the best recipes, and they also have the strongest margaritas. We all like that. Valencia's is Tex-Mex made from scratch. Homemade tortillas every day. Top-notch fajitas. The enchiladas, amazing. Only the finest and fresh ingredients at Valencia's with certified Angus beef, wild-caught seafood, and locally sourced items. If you're listening to us, you probably like sports too, right? Well, Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage is the perfect spot for sports. They have the best Tex-Mex in town, but they also have TVs wall-to-wall. We had our NFL draft show there. It's fantastic. Wall-to-wall TVs, 175-inch video wall. They always know what channel to have it on too because they love sports at Valencia's. Stop by for daily lunch specials. Join happy hour every day or make Valencia's your plan for dinner tonight. Head there this weekend. Weekender happy hour. You get some frozen margaritas for very, very cheap. You can take advantage of the bottomless penny mimosa as well. Refills only one cent. Also, look, I know it's September, but holidays are going to be here sooner than later. You probably have to plan some holiday company parties, things like that, and you want to get out ahead of it. Book Valencia's for your company uh, outing at the holidays. Two Houston locations, Garden Oaks, Oak Forest, new spot on Upper Kirby as well, which is perfect if you're in Westview, Rice Village, or River Oaks. Valencia's Tex-Mex Garage, where all of the food is made from scratch. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Someone on the uh, the Twitter saying, how come the McNairs never get blamed? Well, they're the owners. <laughs> well, you can yell at them For all you year? want. You can, whatever. Like, I blame them in, in the past. 
I mean, what are you? Gonna, I mean, they're the owners. Like, hey, fire yourself. Like, no, they're not going to do that. The NFL oh, is if, a printing machine of money. Right, they're just going to chill and make tons of money. You can criticize them all you want, but it's okay. It's it's fruitless, is what it is. But you still criticize them. Like, if you didn't, if you, and I don't know that we'll ever know, but if you knew about the DeAndre Hopkins trade as Cal McNair and signed off on it, you're an idiot. Mm-hmm. I mean, so you can criticize them if you're an idiot. Whether they sell the team or not, I mean, I think that's where it's most ridiculous. Where people say Cal's got to go, and you've you've got to sell the team. No, he really doesn't. And and if it's a cash cow, then why the hell are you giving up the farm? There's no way. Yeah, you you sit there and you collect the money and you enjoy all the money that you have. Like it's, it, I, I think going after ownership is for the most part fruitless. And cool cat Cal McNair. I mean, how, how can you not like him? And it's also just like you just get nowhere because, like, like you said, like they can't get sell fired. the team. Well, They're unless you're Donald Sterling or you're Dan Snyder or what's his name in Carolina? Uh, yeah. it, was it Carolina Richardson? I don't remember. Yeah, that had the right. yeah that had the harassment and everything for years, and that they that finally came out. Or Sarver and Phoenix. Until you, until you do something like that, you can be a bumbling buffoon, but well, you don't have to sell the team. Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, like, is, it if, gets nowhere. It's a dead end. Like if all these like story franchises and like all they want to do is complain about their owners, but like it doesn't matter. Like what are the people in Oakland, Vegas, like supposed to say? The Al, Dav- the Al Davis and Mark have done pretty much nothing with their franchise. Moved them around multiple times yeah. from city to city. Like, what are people in Chicago supposed to say? What are people in, D- in Detroit supposed to say? Ryan's like, yeah. I mean, it's like you just have these terrible ownership groups everywhere, and like you can yell at them all you want. But like, it just doesn't matter. You have to hope that once in their life they get lucky and I mean, hire Drayton someone. Drayton was quality. pretty bad, but he wasn't going until he sold it he wasn't going anywhere and the league's not going to force him to go anywhere they can't i wish Drayton they could also took the astros to heights they've never been before but he smart enough to get the hell out of the way he he kind of knew that he was going to sell and stop spending money on like the pipeline the minor league system but he he did take the astros to their first ever world series and and had a you know killer but he still era got where they had some success highly criticized for the fact that he owners are always yeah. going to criticize but i mean it's really it is kind of going to go nowhere. And I mean, it's also funny because, like, team, Cal, like okay. I don't think Robert Kraft, like, is some special owner because he has all these Super Bowls. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady won those just because, yeah. especially in the NFL when there's a salary cap, it's not like, like, you give Steinbrenner credit. You give Jim Crane credit because they go over the luxury tax. They spend their money more than, like, these poverty franchises yeah. like the Oakland A's. Like, they actually show, that, like, they're willing to. The NFL, as long as you have a good GM and a good coach, it doesn't mean you're a good owner. It's pretty simple. You get out of the way until it's time to pay. And then if you're committed to paying the right guys and you're trusting in the minds that you've brought in to, to do and know what you don't, that's when you are the best owner that a, that a team can have. Because you don't want Dan Snyder changing the entire draft board on draft day and taking who he wanted when your football operations staff did their due diligence. I don't know that you want Jerry Jones type owners that want to be your general manager Fact. too. But I do think that like, you know, he said Crane, the best thing about Jim Crane was yes, he knows about everything on the day to day. I believe he's the kind of guy that would veto a bad veto, a bad trade for sure. But when it's time to open up the checkbook to really go for it, he's not afraid. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I love the click firing though. Like, I think the Ashes would be in but, better shape if they kept click than I, I, but they I think currently that's, are. That's more about personality. And if you're the owner and you are, you, you can do whatever the hell you want because you're the owner. But it's still a bad decision. Like, even if it is about personalities, it, you made a personal decision. And well, we don't know if Dana not Brown's not going to be good, too. But I'm talking for this year. 
Like Dana Brown didn't have enough time. Dana Brown came in right before spring training. Right. He, he didn't have the offseason. Would this Astros team be better in 2023 if James Click just never got fired or didn't, you know, signed his contract, whatever, however we want to label it? I know it technically wasn't a firing, but it basically was. Yeah, this organization's in a better spot today if they never got rid of James Click. Yeah, I think I think the where I would look at that and say you're right is the fact that he doesn't he doesn't sign Montero for that money. He he probably doesn't bring Brant Brantley back for, for that money, and I don't think he'd be interested in a Brayu. I, I don't either. Um, yeah, I mean that's where the ownership kind of meddled, honestly. Mm-hmm. And so I think. The but best, other than that, I can't fault Crane. Yeah, how was the play, Mrs. Lincoln? Uh, <laughs> I think that owners are good with two two things. One, like they actually care about winning because a lot of owners don't. So when you're actually caring about winning, you're spending money to like resource the team, like. The, the best, all that like head coaches and general managers want, they want the most resources that they can have. So if you're giving them the resources to give them the chance to succeed, good ownership. Also, making the right hires. Like, that's what they're ultimately mm-hmm. doing. Like, we th- like to think that the owner's hiring the general manager or has a say in the head coach. So I think those are the best owners in terms of like winning is if you care about winning and you give everybody that you've put into place the proper resources. And then, secondly, you- you're good at the interview process and you, you know, you hire good people and then give them the resources to do their job and then get out of the way do not meddle uh hire smart people let smart people do their thing 713-780-ESPN uh Devin said poverty franchise is such a funny saying that's a uh it's a good point which numbers do you actually care about for I mean this could be a CJ Stroud conversation it could be a conversation just with your quarterbacks like because I think stats are mostly overrated especially in football um, I do think that they have value, but I think stats are mostly overrated in football. Which numbers are you focused on when it comes to quarterbacks and or C.J. Stroud? I think one of them that comes to mind right off the top is completion percentage. I want a quarterback that completes the majority of his passes. I see a lot of guys in the NFL that struggle to do that, no matter how much they're anointed or you know talked about as being some of the better quarterbacks in the league. You need to complete the pass, you know, have a good completion percentage. You need to get the ball to the receivers. And granted, there's going to be tip balls and there's going to be balls that you're going to honestly not throw in the right spot. But if your completion percentage is one of the be- better completion percentages in the league, then the chances are you're you're getting you're making the right reads, you're making the right throws, your throws are on time, and you're doing what you need to do. So I would start there. I would say completion percentage to me is a, is an important stat. I think completion percentage is, is very important. That's a number that I like to look at uh, a lot. Now, look, some guys are completing sixty percent of passes and they're averaging ten yards on a pass attempt, where other guys are completing sixty five percent of their passes averaging five yards i think anthony richardson cj stroud's a pretty good example of this anthony richardson after two games is a better completion percentage than cj stroud but the aerial yards favor cj stroud so like give me cj stroud there even though he has a lower completion percentage uh the sacks do matter to me uh i know that a, a lot of the sacks aren't the fault of a quarterback but you still got to get rid of the football. Sure. Like it, just throw it away. Throw it at the feet of a receiver. Throw it through the goalpost. Throw it out of bounds to a receiver that's nearest there. I know that they're not all on the quarterback. But quarterbacks, like I hate negative plays. So like completion percentage important. Avoiding completions because it's a net zero. I hate sacks because you get sacked on first down. You're looking at a, a second and sixteen. And I hate turnovers. I, I cannot say, stand and, turnovers. Picks and fumbles are going to be at the top of the list no matter what because one you completely control mm-hmm. with the interceptions. And two, you got to do a hell of a job protecting the football, even though you get into situations like we talked about with Stroud, where you just get bum rushed and you got three guys all over you, and one guy throws a fist at it and hits the ball right on the the the, the, the sweet spot and it's gone. 
you're not carrying it like a loaf of bread and carelessly dangling it out there, not switching it into the right hand. But at the same time, you still got to be hyper-protective of the football. The only time I'm like cool with interceptions is like a third and long and you throw a 50-yard like pass and it gets intercepted and it's an arm punt. Yeah. Like That's why like even interceptions have context. Like Brock Osweiler was right. Every interception does have a story. Mike says, uh, I want a quarterback that can, that can take a hit. Bryce isn't him. Yeah, Bryce, uh, Bryce Young is trending to not playing on Sunday. No, he's they already ruled him out. How about, him out. Have you heard anything with Anthony Richardson? Uh, he last I saw was he still was not practicing, but they said he was progressing through the concussion protocol. CJ Stroud might be the only first round rookie quarterback that plays on Sunday. Uh, he's going to win the battle. Plus, of Will Levis comes in and he's leaves. automatically well, number one the a, next week. He wasn't a first rounder. Well, that's true. Uh, I'm going to say touchdown to interception ratio. I like that because like it does matter. Even if you're even if you're falling behind in games, I'm going to nitpick here in a second. Like even if you're falling behind in games and you're and you're getting touchdowns as you're trying to come back when you're two touchdowns down, that's better than throwing a pick. Yeah. So like, See, I think that does matter. Here's why I nitpick this. What do you, what do you lead your offense down to the two yard line and they punch it in? Like, that's why I look at series success a lot. Like, okay. Like if CJ Stroud leads six touchdown drives out of eight possessions and doesn't throw a single interception, that's an incredibly productive, or a single touchdown. That's an incredibly productive game. He had one drive like that on Sunday where he leads the team right down the field. They punch it in on the ground. So like passing he, touchdowns can be a little bit overrated, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, I saw someone. Like, did he have another one where he led him all the way down inside the five and then it stalled because of the penalty? In, yeah. The penalty. The yeah. He took yeah. a sack too. He that was the sack he ran into. So like I like touchdown. I like I like a quarterback who leads touchdown drives. I don't even care how the touchdown ends. Like so I think sometimes passing touchdowns can be a bit overrated. Like, yeah, I'd rather have them than not have them. But if you're leading a team down the field every single drive and you're scoring a running touchdown every single drive, that's incredibly successful. That's why I don't love NFL stats. It's mostly eye test. Yeah, I saw someone in the Twitch chat earlier actually mention this that like ten of Patrick Mahomes touchdowns last year. We're on those little jet sweeps where the guy runs right in front of him. He flips the ball forward and he gets credit for a touchdown pass. One of the dumbest yeah. stats. Like, like that almost shouldn't count. That's a, a handoff. Pass. Yeah, the shovel like, pass as a pass. Well, like, if so it like, falls down, it's incomplete. I know. But like, the, the that, Texans, I still hate it. The Texans lateraled one to Tank Dell first play of the second half. Yeah. See that? Fumble, negative yards. That was tough. They, they recovered, but they put himself in a second and 16. Like, why? Throw it a little forward. Throw it like a half yard forward. That I was actually balls. It's incomplete. When you watch that play, like, the, do you think that was a bad CJ throw, or do you think that no, was, was designed? He just he went he, he went way back when he ran the route. No, I think it was designed though. Sure, it was. I think it was their design. I don't think it was. I thought Tank should have caught it. Go Cougs. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRNP listener line. We've been trying to do this last couple of days. I like to always take a look at some 0-2 teams and some 2-0 teams in the NFL. Pick a 2-0 team to miss the playoffs and 0-2 team to make the playoffs. Who do you say? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Hey, before we go to the break, tell you about the good people at Apollo Men's Health. Apollo Men's Health, making a difference in people's lives on a daily basis. Both men and women are going there daily to get more energy in their lives on a daily basis by exploring everything from B12 shots to all the different ways you can get hormone therapy and have more energy from day to day. You get more tasks done. You get more things accomplished. You're not trying to win an Olympic medal at this point in your life. You're trying to win the day. Get everything done. Take care of everything for your family and your job and maybe get a workout in. And oh, by the way, if you can't get a workout in, they now have FDA-approved semi-glutide that can have you losing up to six pounds every week and you don't have to lift a weight or hit a treadmill or go running or walking outside. That's the way they do things. They try and do things that get results for you and handle the problems you're dealing with on a daily basis. Go to ApolloMH.com right now and see all the services they offer. If there's a couple you think might be able to benefit you, sign up for your first appointment right there online. 
Most major insurance is accepted, and there's discounts for military personnel and first responders. Mention my name, Joel Blank. Get a free body composition on your first initial visit, which charts your numbers. If the numbers are going in the right direction, if your body fat's going down, your muscle mass is going up, and all the other numbers make sense, then you're probably doing it the right way, and that's the way you can continue to get on a positive workout program that gets you more things accomplished on a daily basis. If you want to recover quicker, they also have HGH peptide therapy. They have a million different ways they can help you. But it doesn't start unless you start the process by going to the website and then signing up for an appointment. Go to ApolloMH.com right now. Tell them Joel Blank said you bye. The Killer Bees. What about the murderous Jays? We've got Joel, Jeremy, and Joe. That's three Jays. Coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. It's the Killer Bees and Murderous Jays. Someone says best stat wins. Well, I do agree. Tim Tebow racked up some wins, and I didn't, like, sometimes you're just on a really good team, and you win a lot of games. So I don't don't know if it's the end-all, be-all for me. But, yes, it is the most important stat. Lamont says Colts may be in a better position playing Minshew over Anthony Richardson against the Ravens. Ravens secondary is beat up. Anthony Richardson's really good. I saw some people with a hot take this past week that the Texans got screwed when Anthony Richardson left the game because Gardner Minshew was better. Stop it. Like, Anthony Richardson went right down your throats on that first series, and you weren't going to stop Anthony Richardson that entire game. But, well, he had two uh, two punts in his final two possessions. He was concussed. He got a concussion on his second touchdown and played through it for two series that, that you were able to get him off the field. Anthony Richardson's going to be a freak in that offense. But to Lamont's point, I also really like Gardner Minshew. I think he's one of the better oh, backup quarterbacks in the NFL. He's he, good. He man. impressed me. I mean, there there was no lie in the fact that I said that the Jets should be calling Chris Ballard and seeing how hell-bent they are on keeping him a Colt all season long. Because if Richardson and the concussion and he comes back quickly, you're going to want to see all you can see of, of Richardson. And if you can get something of value for a guy like and try to recoup some of the draft picks you gave up in the last two years trying to chase veterans, it might be a win-win because the Jets, I don't think that their other solutions make any sense. I don't think Zach Wilson's the guy. See, I don't think Steichen's going to trade Minshew. I think he loves Gardner Minshew. He brought him over. He was with Philly. He was at Philly with him. But I'm just saying, if you wanted to get some value or try to get a pick back, you could because I think enough people saw his tape last week and said, He's got plenty left in the tank. He can run an offense. He can do some things no doubt. that people should take note of because if you're the Jets and you're looking at Flacco and Matt Ryan and guy, you know, guys that are still out there that were being kicked around as names after week one. See, I don't buy that, though. I don't think that makes you better. But if you wanted them, you would have already had them. Like, I, I, I think that. I don't well, but you that. had Aaron Rodgers. The only reason why you're doing what you're doing, you wouldn't have had him because but you, you, you. But if you wanted Ryan or you wanted Flacco, you would have signed him between week one and week two. You would have already had him. But Wilson didn't play bad enough in week one to where you thought you couldn't see what he well, – give him another chance. Do you think he played good in week two? No, but now that he didn't play then good in week two. Then why didn't you sign two, him on Tuesday? Because I think that they're trying to figure out what would be the best case scenario, and they don't want a guy that's over the hill and, and walking into games in a wheelchair with a cane. There's no harm of, like, signing them, though. Like, you sign them, they're on your roster, you never play them, and you can still make a trade. Like, if you sign Joe Flacco for the league minimum and he's your emergency quarterback, that doesn't, like, it doesn't preclude you from eventually making a trade. If they wanted Flacco, they would have already signed him. I, I just think that they wouldn't have made that move that quickly, no matter how much the price was, because of the look and how bad it could be. Just when you're looking at it, you're going, what the hell are you doing? Whereas if you're you're trying to make a, an educated decision to get a guy that might be able to carry you the rest of the way, 
I think you're going to be more selective. I would definitely call him Minshew. I think Steichen would actually have to be blown away with an offer. Like, I don't think they would trade him for less than a fifth. I don't think they would do it unless they got a third. Hmm. They brought He brought him from Philly. He knows his offense. He runs that offense really well. And they have a quarterback who runs a lot that might be injured a decent amount. I don't think he would He's just give away Gardner in. Minshew. He hasn't finished a game yet. I think he really likes Gardner Minshew. Like, if you bring a guy with you from the previous spot, you have a rookie quarterback where you need a veteran behind him to teach him the offense, show him the ropes, and he's getting hurt, I think they would need at least a third for Gardner Minshew. Now, if I'm the Jets, I'm calling. You're right. Like, I, I, I like Gardner Minshew. I think he's – like, earlier we talked about Dobbs. We don't think Dobbs is one of the top 32 quarterbacks in the world, but he's a top 50 quarterback in the world. Where's Minshew? Top 40. I would, I, I would go further. That's where I was going to go. Mm-mm. I would go further than top 40. I would go he's a top 35 quarterback. I might even say he's a top 30. I, I might say he's Maybe. the same. I might even go a little better than that because I think he's better than some guys that are starting. Mm-hmm. And I think that he definitely shows that he can still run a football team whether you need him for one week, five weeks, or an extended period of time. nine nine six four. I think Case Keenum is perfect for the Jets. It's a pretty good call. It actually is a really good call. Ocho I, wants to get me to go to Turner Stadium to watch a Tascacita Kingwood tonight. No. the turkey. He said we can get some turkey legs together. The turkey legs are from Thorn Stadium, not Turner Stadium. See, I, on the, on the Keenum, when everybody was, was clamoring for the Jets to take Davis Mills, the no-brainer was Case Keenum. I said it at the time that if Case is – going to be ended up anywhere. He's going to be a veteran guy that can come in and just stabilize the ship of a really good football team. Otherwise, that's the perfect scenario for Case Keenum. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he wanted to play, for sure. Now, you know, if he's just happy to... being home and being a big brother and doing what he's doing and they're happy with him, then so be it. They should trade for Davis Mills. See, they're not going to want Davis Mills, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it, the Texas you think he's better than Zach Wilson? Are, Texas yes. people are pitching that. Davis Mills ain't going to throw three picks like that in a game. Zach Wilson's pretty awful. Like, he's a, he's, <laughs> he's really bad. Awful. I don't think Davis Mills is that much better. I, I honestly, plays. I think he really is. Like, I do, too. Like, Davis Mills isn't going to back up 20 yards and then heave the ball downfield like Zach know, Wilson does. I don't know if Zach Wilson's good enough to play in this new XFL-USFL merger that's happening. See, Zach Wilson's talented, but, like, he doesn't make good football plays. <laughs> like, whereas Davis Mills is, doesn't have Zach Wilson's talent, but Davis Mills is like, he's not going to absolutely destroy you with negative plays. But I don't think the Jets want anything to do with Davis Mills. No, I, I think they're just going to stand pat. I do too. Until and, maybe the deadline or something. Yeah. I could see that. BG, can the Saints finally get some love uh-huh, if the uh, if they get a win in Green Bay this week? The Saints looked really, really bad last week. I don't think playing and getting a win against the Green Bay Packers is going to be anything that you should. 2-0, baby. 2-0. Who's 2-0? Saints. Yeah. They're 2-0, but I don't think that they've looked like gangbusters in the way they've done it. The NFC South, baby. Falcons, Saints, Bucks, all 2-0. But, no, but but like Mar- if you're going to get some love, if you're 3-0 if you're at any time in the NFL, that's where you get some love. But beating the Green Bay Packers ain't a big deal. <laughs> I mean, now, like, it's on the road. You go into yeah. Lambeau to win. Like, I don't care how you win that game. You win that game, you're 3-0. I'll give you flowers. Yeah, but like they've only won their two games by a combined four points. You win three games in the NFL the and you go into Lambeau and you win flowers. I mean, the Packers defense is good. Like I just, I'm, I feel like I overrated. Joe. Like once again, overrated. No nope. car. You didn't see him last week. They coughed it up and they did not look good. And people in Wisconsin have been clamoring for Joe Barry, the defensive coordinator's head. They look different than they looked against the Bears. What are they going to do with that? <clears throat> Bears are very bad. Bears are bad. Packers are a lot worse Bears, than people think. Not the team I'm going to pick to go from 0 and 2 to the playoffs. Give me, give me a 2 and 0 team 
that will miss the playoffs. I think there's a lot to choose from here. There's actually, a lot to choose Miami, from. Baltimore, the only two two and O teams in the AFC, which is weird. The NFC has a ton: Dallas, Philly, Washington, Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa, and San Francisco. Tampa and Washington. Okay. Yeah. See, Miami, Baltimore. <clears throat> I feel like I'm not going to pick them. Only two and O two teams. Not going to pick Dallas, Philly. I- Washington, there's something about Washington, man. I kind of like Sam they Howell. Had a, they, Do you really? They I like so. their defense. I like. I think they have weapons on defense. He's better than the quarterback play they had there last year. And Brian and they, Robinson's been really good. McLaurin. They, they didn't have a losing record last year. Like They were 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. Well, They've but, improved to the quarterback position. I think they brought in a better OC. I, I don't. I think Washington's better than people think. Is uh, the kid that was there last year from Southern Miss or whatever, is, where's he? Uh, I don't remember who you're talking about. The Washington quarterback that ended up being the starter at the end of the year and then got basically shoved out because oh, they were going to go with Sam Howell. Heineke. Oh, Taylor, Taylor I think he's a free agent. He's the guy that people bring up for the Jets a lot. Oh, is that right? Yeah. He's either a free agent or he's their backup. It's but. like a top 75 quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I will go with – see, Atlanta kind of fascinates me. Saints kind of fascinate me. What I said, I said uh, Washington and Tampa. I think Washington's pretty good. I'll go Tampa as well. I'll go Tampa as my 2-0 team that misses the playoffs. Atlanta. You hate Atlanta. You really? Hate, he hates Atlanta. You have to have a good quarterback to make the playoffs, and they don't have one. Not in the NFC. I think there's good enough quarterback <laughs> play to like where they'll finish. And they're in that the bad division seven. Jeremy was talking about. I know, but I th- I think that, that division's a juggernaut. They have three 2-0 and o teams. I, I just Desmond Ritter's not good. Like I just don't think you're going to make the playoffs with Desmond Ritter. At some point, he's going to have to win a football game, and I think he's incapable. The thing is, they're 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 content throwing it 12 times a game. They are. They are content throwing And when they have Cordell Patterson back at some point, like they should run it even more. Yeah, they, they're a fun team to watch if you like like a throwback team. Like, I, bet you, I think they'll get throw throw this weekend by Detroit. So Yeah, that'll be a fun one. All right, pick an 0-2 team that will make the playoffs. The Pats, the Bengals, the Texans, the Broncos, the Chargers, the Vikings, the Bears, the Panthers, and Arizona. You know the Vikings host the Chargers this week? Like, that might be a... Oh, boy. Like, I know it's week three. I know it's not must win, but that might be a play. might be an eliminator. That might be an eliminator game. Give me it. Give me one more time. Google.com. Uh, Patriots, Bengals, Texans, Broncos, Chargers, Vikings, Bears, Panthers, Cards. See, it's for me, it's between the Bengals and the Chargers. I still believe the Chargers are just too talented. Yeah. I think they're far too talented, no matter. I don't believe in, in, in their head coach, Staley. I, I don't like the things that he yeah, does. Me either. And I really like Herbert, and I like all the weapons he's got, and I, I firmly believe that they're going to figure it out. And because Burrow with the calf, and I know where Joe's going to go anyway, I'll say the Chargers. Yeah, I, think, I can't. <laughs> I think the Chargers can figure it out. I think the Chargers are too good not to figure it out. And do, the they, only, do they have to win this week at Minnesota? It sure feels I think, like I it. think they do. It does kind of feel like they have to win. It's almost a playoff eliminator. Not quite, but almost. Um, I'm not going to pick the Texans. Patriots division's too good. The Bengals worry me, man. Like this they do. Burrow, the Burrow calf injury, lingering is bad. The offensive line. Like I'm not. I'm not going to go Bengals here. Not going to go Broncos. Chargers seem like a good one. Rest assured, someone's going Bengals. Not going to go Bears. Not going to go Panthers. Not Wait, go no Bears. Why not? I'm going to go Vikings. I'm going to double down on the Minnesota Vikings. I think that, good I think no. I think they're going to win the eliminator against the Chargers this week because it's at home. I think Kirk Cousins is going to rally them because they have a bunch of noon games coming up. I'm going to go with the Vikings. It's just because it, like the one thing we talked about so much was the one score games and like oh, no. they were 11 and one last year and so far they're 0 and two. <laughs> like it flips. It feels like it flips every year. They're 0 and two to start the year. I, I mean, I'm going to go Bengals. I'm pot committed. Like that thing of Twitch just keeps repeating. Bengals have been. Owen to five years in a row. Did not know that. I, I did wish not I either. That if that's I true, that. that's interesting. Now you know who else had <laughs> calf issues all off season. Aaron Rodgers. 
Wow. Just saying. Just Something to monitor. Sprinkling Burrow, some Achilles Burrow dust. Might, Burrow might not even yeah, play man, Monday. You're, you're basically saying I'm Joey B is going to blow a tire. Well, honestly, I said, if, I said if, calf injury sometime lead to more. If hmm. my answer is not the Bengals, then my answer is no one. Yeah, I know. It doesn't seem like there's great options Because I there. don't believe in the Chargers. Can I you say don't the, the Chargers? Can I no. say the winner of the Vikings and Chargers? Sure. Will you allow me to I'll do that? that answer. All right, I'll go winner of Vikings and Chargers. The 0-2 team that will make the playoffs. That feels like it's unfair. I feel dirty doing that. 713-780. I do feel like it's a little Bush League. Like, yeah. uh, Buster Olney, uh, he believes the Astros will be tough to beat in the playoffs. Do we believe Buster Olney? Is that a true take? Because the Astros haven't been that tough to beat in the regular season. They haven't been tough to beat at all at home. If they sneak into the postseason, that's probably not a fair word, sneak in. If they make the playoffs, will they be tough to beat in the playoffs? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Killer Bees, he's Blank. I'm Branham. Uh, Buster only says the Astros will be a tough out if they get to the postseason. Buster, I saw somebody on Twitter. I don't remember who said it, but uh, credit to you for saying this. He said only Buster only would have a positive article about the Astros and have a bunch of quotes from Yankee players. Like Paul O'Neill is in this article. None. Like I think he's the most cited person in this in this story. He's Paul O'Neill, former New York Yankee TV analyst so weird. for the Yankees. Is he really? I believe so. They got rid of. Uh, Astro legend Carlos Beltran and Cameron Mabin, they got rid of those guys? I think they might be in the studio, but I think that O'Neill does the actual games. I'll look it up. I'll Google it, as you say. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a good play. You're welcome. <laughs> but do you believe what Buster Olney is saying here? That if the Astros get into the playoffs, and look, there's nine games left to play. Tonight's quiet. Uh, there is one game to monitor, though. You can monitor the Blue Jays. Blue Jays facing Garrett Cole. We have not rooted for Garrett Cole a whole lot since he's left the Astros as a representative of himself. But they take on the Blue Jays today. And right now the Astros are in two different races. You're in a three-team race for the American League West crown, which you lead by half a game with nine to play. Rangers, Mariners start a series tomorrow. They'll play each other seven times in the next ten. But you're also in a four-team race that three teams will get into the playoffs with the whole wild card thing. And the only team that you trail in the standings are the Toronto Blue Jays by half a game. They also have the tiebreaker on you. They play Garrett Cole and the Yankees tonight. I know that you, it's 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 gross to say, go Garrett Cole. Right. But tonight you need Garrett Cole to go and to shut down the Toronto Blue No Jays. doubt. You need to clear out as many paths as you can to at least getting there because I do believe in what Buster only, only says simply because I believe in the Houston Astros. I believe that there's too much talent on this roster. I believe that what you saw out of Javier is so crucial to what this team could be come the new season of the postseason to do what you all and we all want to see them do, and that is to succeed and go a long way. I'm not even worried about a World Series right now. I'm worried about a team that has to get in. That's the first goal is just get in by any means necessary because if you do, there's not a whole lot of teams in baseball that want to see you coming through their their their, their diamond. They, they don't want to see you bringing Framber Valdez, Justin Verlander, and, and a compilation of offensive players that are capable of you know, beating you and bludgeoning you into submission quickly in a series. I, I think that the American League doesn't scare me all that much. There's a lot of teams still dealing with a lot of injuries and a lot of other issues, even Tampa Bay. I think the Orioles pitching has to hold up. 
But the Orioles are a scary team. There's no doubt about that. But I don't worry about the Twins. I don't worry about uh, the Rangers when it comes to the Astros. I think that the the Mariners have had the Astros number, but we all know the postseason's a different story. It would be a fun series to watch. But I believe if they get in, they got as good a chance as anybody to get to the World Series. So, yes, I believe that no, no team wants to see them. And, yes, I believe that if they get in, they're going to be one hell of a tough out. The Astros have been so weird this year. Uh, I've been saying it for a, a few weeks that this is the most frustrating Astro regular season in the golden era. So, like, if they got into the wild card and were 2-Q, and Q, wouldn't shock me. If they have a magical ride and win the World Series, it wouldn't shock me. So I do think they're going to be a tough out for a few reasons. One's the pedigree. Like, I know that they've been struggling, sub-500 record at home, but they still have the pedigree. Like, they still have uh, Justin Verlander, who in the postseason's been good. World Series is a different story. They still have a Fromber Valdez. They still have a Christian Javier who pitched the most underrated uh, outing in World Series history. They still have Jose Altuve, Jordan Alvarez, Alex Bregman, Kyle Tucker, Jeremy Pena, who was the ALCS uh, and World Series MVP. Like, they still have pedigree. So I do think that it's a team that I, I I wouldn't want to face if I'm in the American League. Like they just have pedigree and they they do have this knack of when they must win a ball game, more times than not, that switch is able to be flipped for whatever reason. So I agree with Buster Olney. Maybe one of the few times that I agree with Buster Olney. Don't know why he's quoting Paul O'Neill in this article. That's a little bit weird. Maybe get an Astro to be in this. Key from L.A., the way y'all been playing, no one is scared of the Astros. Cool, Key. Uh, no one's scared of the Dodgers in the postseason either, Key. So, you know, touche. 92-40. Does Dusty know yet that the Astros just have to get in? Uh, yeah, Dusty Bash. Dusty managed a good game yesterday. Way By the way, that bullpen did a great job. Paul O'Neill does do Yankee games. He does studio, and he actually calls games, but he calls them remotely from his Ohio residence ever since COVID. Yeah, everybody was wondering, too, about that. Well, I mean, I just wanted to follow up on that. <laughs> That's weird. Smart ass. That's weird that he does that. Well, yeah, and they've, they've let him do a lot of other stuff since COVID as well. So he does he does games that way? Yeah. He's not it's the permanent like guy, though, right? It's kind of like when they do travel. What? He's not the permanent guy? Um, so, he's the third guy. So he does like a he does maybe like twenty games fill in remotely. No, That's I think bizarre. he does like the third guy every game. Oh, he's the third guy in a three man booth remotely. Yeah. That's yeah. stupid. Like that's really dumb. It says, during the 2022 season, the Yankees relaxed their social distancing requirements, but he continued to call games from his basement, which he calls Studio 21. It's because of his vaccination policy. He hasn't been vaccinated, and he doesn't plan to. Despite that, that the Yankees continued to do things, including retire his number and use him on the Yes broadcast. That's so weird that he's a third chair remotely. And he did return. Oh, this season, he has returned to the booth. Okay. It okay. says during the 2023 season, he has returned to the booth on yes. Okay, that, that makes more sense now. Uh, it should be no if they're allowing that. All right, what we got for Willa Bits, Joe? Oh, did you see uh, that? Joe oh. just full started. If you were not on the Twitch, Joe heard me go to the Willa Bits, and then Joe gave like a little bit of a a little bit of a leap, maybe like a one-inch leap. I'm not sure that you would have been able to stick in this little sheet of paper between his hiney and the chair, and he had both hands in the air like he just didn't care. It was like, whoops, Floor George, I forgot like to do Air that. Jordan. I forgot to set that up. Did I stall it's enough? The there Wheel we go. Bits on the Killer Bees. Kittles and bits, kittles and bits. I'm going to get me some kittles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's time for start, sit, cut. Here's Joe and Jeremy and Joe. Mm-hmm. It. Is, are you, is this on the fly sounds like here? he's from a different country. I'm like needing like 10 seconds here. Which, by the way, tomorrow's uh, Willabits, we do mean text. Have you been tracking them? 
No one's been mean this week. Oh, that's a that's weird. It's a bummer. 713-780-3776. Joe, Joe had one last night. Oh, I did. Joe did pulled you? a Branham last night. What does that mean? I, I Where it. he said, I shouldn't read this. I won't read and this. Read and it. then he read that. I mean, yeah. And it was yeah, like, uh, totally do that on like, thank goodness for Joe. He's not as arrogant as Jeremy and Paul. No. Oh, really? Patrick. No, it was PG. It, I thought it was PC. Said, thank goodness oh, for actually, Joe. He's not as arrogant. I think as it was PC. Now I don't remember if it was Patrick or Paul. There was just a P. There was two initials there. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to add that. No, everybody's been nice this week for some reason. I'm going to need all of you to text mean things well, we tomorrow could do the sub- so we can have a segment we could tomorrow. Just do the, we could do the two subtweets what do you that mean? we got today. We can include those. I don't know what you're talking what, about. The two subtweets that are out there from... Uh, oh, we did get subtweeted earlier Yeah, in the show. we did. Yeah, you didn't know about it. I guess not. You guys like to do that. No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. no, no, it wasn't negative to you at all. Oh. We weren't subtweeting you. We, no, we as a the collective whole show, show got, got subtweeted, yeah. and I kind of did a counter subtweet that was awesome. I'm really proud of myself for it too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Start sit cut quarterbacks likely to play more than like for like the next two or three years and have success. Okay, we're going older quarterbacks. Car, uh, start sit cut. Yeah. All right. Matt Stafford, Geno Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo. Like quarterbacks that will have success over the next two or three years, they're going to be in the NFL. Okay. I'm going to go Matt Stafford is my start. I'm going to go Geno Smith is my sit. And Jimmy Garoppolo is my cut. I think Jimmy's the closest to being at the end of the line. I don't think that this Raiders situation, other than financially, is helping him or anybody else. I think Geno Smith, to me, has been a flash in the pan. He's like a Rafael Montero in a lot of ways to me, where he finally found it for a year. He got it at a contract year, got the money, but I don't believe in him being a big-time success again, though I think that, obviously, through contract and otherwise, he will have a job. And I think Stafford might end up on another team as a, as a, as a savior, but I don't think that he's done. I still think he can throw the football. He proved that last week. You said three years? Yeah, like yeah. two or three, yeah. Stafford was close to retirement, it seemed like, this offseason. I think that was for the squad, wasn't it? Uh, I don't know. Like His this... wife was out there saying there's a complete disconnect yeah. with the young players. This elbow thing, though, seems well. legit. I feel like he's an injury away from retiring. I don't see him playing in three years. I think Geno Smith is actually the truth of these three guys. I think oh. he's a starter in the NFL for at least five years. And I don't think Jimmy G's going anywhere because he just wins. So I'll start Geno, bench Jimmy, cut Stafford. Joe? Start Geno. Bench Stafford, cut Jimmy. Okay. A little different. We're all different there. I Mm -hmm. like that. All right, that does it for us. Send us mean text tomorrow because we need a segment for Willow Bits tomorrow. 713-780-3776. All right, Joe George, thank you for all your hard work. He ain't done yet. He's blankers. I'm right. He is done. I'm done. Uh, Coming up next, Game On with Barry Laminak and Jerome Solomon on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5.